Welcome back to Straight to DVD. Raph, we're back once more with a very, very, very special episode. Hell yeah, dog. Raph, who do we have here? We have have a... a, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Zack Snyder's back. Dude, he's back once again. He he couldn't stay away. Yeah. But that wasn't Zack Snyder. No. That guy's not here. Yes, just in case there is an imminent lawsuit from our previous episode. Once again. (laughs) But instead, we have... A pretty special guest. Yes. Been on with us before. He has. Always elevates the intelligence level of our conversations. Far more eloquently than either of us ever could be. You yeah. guys could never be elevated. <laughs> <laughs> that I, voice, I, think, I think that was a compliment. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> but that voice that you may have heard was the one and only Fernando. Fernando, hello. Hey, guys. Welcome back. Thanks, guys. How you doing? Uh, it's been a tough year, huh, guys? It sure has. Yeah, dude, the last time you were on, um, coronavirus was just like... Yeah, just like, just revving up. Yeah. It was just a thing happening to someone else, right? Yeah. That's right. Dude, it was like a movie for us, right? It wasn't happening to us, but we were watching it happen to other people. Right. Not thinking about it too hard. Now we're here thinking about it. That's right. Yeah. All right, fuck it. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about what we're here to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my point. We watched a very special thing today. Yes. Um, Lee Isaac Chung... Made a movie last year called Minari. It came out last year. Um, very nice movie about a Korean family emigrating Arkansas, right? We've got the classic themes. Family, love, togetherness, solidarity, conflict. Those are special. Those are different. We see a lot of movies about life in America. And I don't think a lot of them these days achieve what this is doing right what was it that stood out about minari to you two guys dude i love I, how this guy always comes on and just like flips everything on his head because here we are desperate to be goonish <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we don't even get the chance to because we start off with the hard-hitting questions here um yeah. i will start off go, go for it because i do happen to have something in mind because yeah. i was awaiting being put on on the spot like this <laughs> it's the spot um so the very first thing I know, I, I picked up on, um, and I think what you're saying about like typically, like American type films holds true. They're like roller coasters, right? In such a way, like they're trying to you know do that whole thing, and a lot of that is done through like dialogue, right, and exposition, and all that shit. Um, and sometimes it's good, and often it's not, purely because it's not necessary in a yep. lot of the cases. Uh, I love how quiet this movie is. Um, yeah. Not much dialogue, but when the dialogue is there, it's actually very, very funny. Um, but the truth is, there are scenes in this where it's just a man smoking a cigarette alone, and you know exactly what he's thinking. And that's enough. And that's enough. You know exactly what he's thinking purely because of what you've been shown before, and you understand like what people are and how they feel. And that's all you need. You just need the image of him alone. You know, like, what he's thinking about while he's smoking the cigarette. You know that he needs to be smoking that cigarette. And that's it. It's just a man contemplating the position he's in. Um, And the other people that are relying on him as well. And that distinguishes it from a lot of of things that we typically see, I think. There would be scenes about that character crying, explaining yeah. how they feel to their yeah. spouse, sure. and it would not be nearly as powerful. Or talking think. to himself. Or, or Leah. Yeah. Or so. a voiceover explaining, like, st- what, what, Jacob. And Jacob yeah, right. at this moment was feeling down because 
Yeah. I'm just not doing too hot. Absolutely. That everything that the movie is about, everything, every choice that it makes in the direction of silence or nuance to think about how it would always convey this pain, you know, this reality, the, the drudgery of this reality. So much of it was texture, right? And I think a lot of movies refuse really to use texture um, in an interesting way, except for um, kind of a, a pretend realism of like computer graphics or whatever. That's a lot of texture because that's all they have, right? All you've got is kind of um, the feel of the pipes or like how rickety the spaceship they're in is or whatever. Whereas when you're documenting reality, when you're looking out at the grass and you see, oh shit, this is what it looked like that day. That's how the sun was shining that day. It gives, I think, a new meaning to, um, to the verisimilitude, right, of the pain that they're feeling. Someone's standing in a field smoking a cigarette. Someone's hard at work. Someone's watching something burn, you know? I don't think we're in a time that's especially rich for movies that value the capturing of reality, the capturing of an emotional reality. I think the movies that we watched together uh, for our episodes of the show, um, they've distinguished themselves by reaching for that. Sure. Well, what have we discussed prior? Right? Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai. Uh, uh, Kurosawa's The Cure. Right. Um, and Parasite. Parasite. Best picture of 20... 2019. This is an amazing example in all of those things because it is American. I think it's as American as movies get um, in a in a personality sense, right? It's about people starting over. It's about people trying to make a change. I mean, it's a classic American dream story, like in every in every in every sense. The same way that like The Godfather is is a American dream story. It's about someone who comes here from another country and they're just you know, trying to make it for their children and, like, the future generations. And the thing about The Godfather and this is that they both have happy endings, you know? You've got people who get everything that they want, everything that they fought for, the whole of the running time, minute one, you've got people who need something, who need something from the people around them, who need something from the world that they find themselves imprisoned in, right? That's, that's every Hollywood story, right? That's... The golden age, that's independent cinema when it's good or whatever, right? That's what they're reaching for. To think that like every year movies and movies and movies are churned out, but it's these other places, right? In East Asia, um, across the decades, right? We've got a movie for now taking place in the America of now, even if it's not the pandemic, even if they don't have iPhones, that's America now. Why? are we producing things like this all the time? Why don't we have a vision of American stories as being about people who look very different from the people who are elected and are on television, right? Why don't we have American stories that take place in other languages or are always in reference to new cultures and, um, and old histories of different time periods? Why, why can't that all be fucking integrated into a vision of America and an American story, guys? Why do we have to suffer every year with the same old shit <laughs> with the pablum <laughs> yeah. that is forced down our throats. Raph, well, why don't I you mean, take I this think, one? <laughs> well, I mean, I think that we kind of are getting more of these American stories, which aren't like, you know, the same old shit that we've, that we've seen and watched before. Um, like I, for me, I was thinking of, of like the, the Spielberg produced 
movies of the 80s that are all like kids in suburbia riding bikes around. And it's like, I've seen this movie so many times. And when J.J. Abrams makes Super 8, like, we don't need it because we've Nothing. seen it a thousand times Nothing. before, like, usually done way, way better. Right. But, and is that movie even communicating anything about what it means to be a kid yeah. in yeah. suburbia? Right. right. It's certainly but, anything different, even. Right. But, like, this is a movie that takes place in that era about people who we don't usually see in American movies, but are just as American as as any of the rest of us. Like, their stories are are just as American as any three of ours or, you know, anyone else who's listening. Um, but, we're I mean, we're getting more. We're getting shit, like... We get like the Florida Project, which is about Amer- an America that we don't see. We get shit like uh, lessons. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't want to say like Get Out, but like we get shit like that. That's no, not no, an America that we absolutely. that we haven't absolutely. seen. We get yeah, shit yeah. like uh, like the Farewell that came out last year. Another movie that's like in a foreign language, but it's very uniquely American, um, or like University American. But yeah, we're we're getting more and more shit like this, and it's for me. I mean, I think it's it's dope to see stories that are new but also familiar um well told 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 in a in a refreshing way told in a way we don't see too often right told in you know the as truthfully authentic as possibly can about what it's trying to communicate right i think nan to, to answer your question the reason that this is not the norm of things that get made or the things that get like put up in lights and advertised or the things that make a billion dollars a year is because the truth is that I think it's the fault of both the people who make a lot of the content and a fault of the people who consume uh, the content. I think that the people who are in charge of making it and funding it and greenlighting it and putting people together to make the thing, I think don't care as much about it simply because it doesn't make as much money. Um, and I think that the people that either consume it or don't uh, do or don't simply because this kind of stuff um, is dangerous to them. And it's dangerous to them because it reminds them uh, that they're not here to turn their brain off for a couple of hours. Like, or, you know, I think the strongest films are, are the ones that like, like you said, we, we recognize things about ourselves in. Um, whereas people like, those that work at Disney are more than happy to make the same movie over and over again and sell it to you over and over again, because they know that all you want to do is forget about your life for two hours. Right. But do you think there's more of like a thirst for stuff like this, for movies like this than there have been in the past? I think if there is a thirst, it is in spite of the regime that dominates the industry, broadly speaking, right? That there is a certain paradigm that dominates the regime. And if there is a hunger, an outcry, really, for stories that just acknowledge reality, that's all, that's the only criterion that we're talking about, right? Literally, there is something that we can see in the world with our eyes. What if the movies that we watched also reflected that sometimes to a certain degree more so than they do right now right that's really the only thing that we're talking about here yeah. a perfectly reasonable demand and yet as michael you were just saying that doesn't it doesn't make profit at scale right it just doesn't make enough yeah. money that way and there and there are all kinds of reasons for that um the dangerous thing is when that money comes in i think i think the danger comes in when they will start co-opting stories like this i fear and water them down i fear (laughs) the best screenplay winning marvel movie i really do 
I whatever that monstrosity is. <laughs> but there um, are the, but Marvel's already in the business of making these movies. No, no, right? no of like, course. But I just mean to think about Minari, right? To think about all of the awards that it should win. To mm-hmm. think about how distinguished it is from so many things that we've seen, how much better it is than so many things that win at the box office and win at awards. Think about all of the flowers that it deserves and imagine a Marvel movie getting those flowers. <laughs> the, the reason that the reason that it's so scary to me is because it will have been designed. You know, Lee Isaac Chung does not design this movie. You know, it's just his life. He's a person. He has an existence. He has memories. He has loves. He made a movie and people were very excited to make it. And we're very excited to watch it and tell you, the audience, about it. When Marvel makes a beautiful Malikian vision of Arkansas about a superhero <laughs> who lives on a fucking farm and is, like, retired from, from... And he's, like, putting in the vegetables and he's, like, talking to his son or whatever. And then, then at the end, his superhero mother is, like, walking away because she torched the mansion with her eye lasers or whatever the fuck. You know? Like, when that happens and people are duped into thinking that that's good, it's over, right? Like, this is what we fear. We, the more we become familiar with what's good, the more interested they'll be in saying, how can we twist that, right? How can we sell it? How can we appropriate it into something that we can put in a box? I didn't realize that this was something that I was so terrified of until you just mentioned it. Now I just, I really don't feel good. Dude, of course. (laughs) But the the worst part is there would be five of them, you know? Don't you know? Every year. Every fucking year. Yeah. And it it would be like a new genre every year and they would be like, how many awards can you win? You know? It's crazy. It's It's a game to them, dude. They don't give a shit. They don't give a shit about putting anything cool on the screen, right? They don't give a shit about conveying something that is actually observed about the world around them. They don't give a shit that that's the sun, right? The whole point of that, <laughs> the whole point of filming beautiful Steven Yeun in a field smoking a cigarette with the sun behind him is because that's actually the sun that was there yeah. on the day, you know? That's cool to be in the field. It's cool to tell the story of a guy who lived, who someone was excited by, someone loved, you know? No one ever loved Tony Stark, you know? Hey. <laughs> Tony hey. Stark was never a person who existed. Steven Yeun is the afterimage of a shadow of a memory of someone who was real, and that's beautiful. And of course we see that on the screen. Of course it it, it drips. We, we sit here and we're four yeah. silly men and we cry. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because it's beautiful and it's okay to encourage other people to make beautiful things but the threat of disney the danger of disney is that it is never going to encourage that right until until they encourage it everywhere until they can sell it until it can win awards what are we going to do man oh god Nando, you bring up so many so many too many good points uh I think we should try to let's focus on shit that we did like and like why we like this movie and not about how Disney is coming to take everything that just, you love and make it off. I can't when when this when something like this, when something like Minari is so beautiful and so enriching, it makes you mad. It makes you mad because you deserve it. You deserve to see it all the time. You deserve Yes, you do. You, of course you do. We as a culture, as an audience of movie lovers, of people who enjoy good stories, we deserve every fucking Friday 
to go to a theater and see a movie as beautiful as that on the big screen. Can you imagine going to an enormous packed theater and like everyone crying at the end? Because not only because of the enormity of the motions, not only because of the enormity of the scale of the story, it's just beautiful images, dude. It's just being out in a field. It's being inside of a trailer. It's looking at a man carrying a cross down a fucking road. You can't make that shit down up. Down a dirt road. It's crazy how beautiful it is, right? It's astonishing. You sit here on a couch on a Sunday in the pandemic and you say, wow, these, are, these need to be celebrated. We all need to be looking to each other in a theater saying, can you believe this fucking thing that we're watching, you know? It's wrong to us. We don't des we we deserve that much better. That's all I'm saying. It's easy to talk about why we love it. It's easy to say it's a beautiful story of a family who go through hardship, who doubt each other, who wonder what it means to love each other. It's easy to say that. It's easy to say it's beautifully written and the way that it weaves together language and music and the land around you as one, right? The complete unity of all of those things, it's beyond anything that we regularly experience. But the magic in it, right, was just kind of sitting there, just kind of letting it unfurl. I thought I would stop being surprised at some point that some thing that had been set up, right, some little image or object or suspicious shot or whatever, that it wouldn't be brought up again, that I would, that it would forget about something, that it would betray the precision that it had demonstrated the whole time. At any moment, I really, I was ready for that. It never happened. Every moment was authentic. Everything that was placed one way, like a seed in the ground, it came up by the end, right? All of it has meaning at the end. It's important to recognize that we're talking about a movie that deserves to be celebrated because someone gave a shit when they made it. That's all it is. Any, any praise that we have about this movie or the way that it's constructed, it all comes from a certain individual saying, I have a vision. That's all that it takes. All you need is a vision. All you need is eyeballs to put on a screen, right? Show me Steven Young's beautiful face. Show me it at golden hour. Shoot it. Put it in front of me. Cut it between image of his son. That's all I want. I don't. I ask for nothing, dude. I ask for nothing. <laughs> very, 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 very well said. Rad. I could sit here and listen to this guy. <laughs> that that's the day. beauty of it. Yeah. It's almost as magical as the movie. Like the magic just unfurls yeah. right, right, in front, right in front of us, and we deserve this. We do deserve this. We this do is deserve all this. I ask. Yeah. <laughs> Week after week, people just get shit of the two of us <laughs> trying to unpack movies, and it's, it's just dog shit at the end yeah. of the day. But every, every once in a while, you, you know, Nando comes on and he just fucking just gives us magic, yeah. like this movie, and we deserve it. Yeah. Everyone deserves to have magic in their lives, guys. Thank you for injecting. Well, we're, we're so happy to have you here. Nan, you were the one who suggested we watch this today. Um, had it been something you'd wanted to see for a while? What had you heard about it? What what attracted you to it initially? I've heard almost nothing and I'm ashamed of it. I really am. I'm ashamed of how little I know about this artist or about the people who are involved with it or the production, right? The story of it. It's an amazing story. You can tell. You can tell that people really cared about it. People really pushed. Someone at fucking A24 said, hey, Brad Pitt or whatever, right? It's a plan B thing. 
what is the miracle that created something as personal and beautiful as this and put it in front of our eyeballs in 2021, right? It feels astonishing as you watch it. I didn't know anything about it. All I knew was that all of the reports of the festivals or whatever, everyone is saying, this is special. This is amazing. You've got universal acclaim and yet it's basically unheard of, right? Like, no I have not heard about this movie until you recommended it. No one is watching. Like, it definitely people on Letterboxd or whatever are watching it. And I think reviews are coming out and they're very positive. People are happy to talk about it on Twitter. Stephen Yeun, I think, has been a big advocate for it in every appearance that he has. There's a push behind it. And I think it was understood that it was going to be the winner this year. If it were a normal year, this would have been a movie that people enjoyed on a big screen. This would have been a hit. It could have been a hit. But now, now it's just kind of like, what? Something sad, right? That, yeah. that, that we came to it and we didn't know too much about it. And now it's gone, right? Like we watched it and all we're left with is kind of like, we have to advocate for it. But who's going to listen to us, right? Who's, who's going to be the people in 2021 saying, hey, you know what you should vote for in the first virtual Oscars or whatever, the Korean movie that's not really a Korean movie, right? So you bring up an interesting thing. What I've heard about this movie is that there, um, in a lot of like the award pushes and such, it's being categorized as a foreign language film. Wow. As opposed to just like the general, wow. you know, best picture pool with English language films. And I think a lot of the pushback is because, I, I don't know, maybe... More than half, maybe seventy percent of the movie is is in Korean, but it, it it's an American made movie Absolutely. about um, an American an American story, family. yeah, an American yeah. family living an American life. It, it we've said it before, but it's like as American as it gets, and the fact that it's not getting recognized as an American movie, it's getting recognized as something foreign, is like not that encouraging for no. the necessary push because the, like you said, this is something that like. People should be seen. People should be watching. There should be hype around it. The implications of that, though, are so bizarre that the people who decide these things are just like, no, this is foreign. You know, like, there's nothing American about this. But this is more American than most American movies that we've we've seen this year. Like, English isn't our official language. Like, there's no official language of this this country. That's right. Things don't need to be in English. That's right for it to be American. And the story is, that's right, not the story, this country wasn't built by English-speaking people. That's like, right. No matter where you come from, like, your grandparents, your grandparents or whatever were speaking foreign languages. Not only was it not built by English-speaking people, it wasn't built by white people, right? Mm-hmm. And it also doesn't mean that whiteness needs to be the default sort of ethnicity, right? The default perspective on a story. I think more than being 70% in the Korean language, it is 100% a story of Korean people, right? Yeah. I think the struggle and the tension between Korean and American identity, it's as endemic to the movie as anything else that's happening, and that's fine. But I think it does dare not to center whiteness, right? That's what's happening. It never for a well, moment. Well, whiteness is portrayed as bizarre, right? In the and it's all on the it's all yeah. like on the fringes too. Yeah, it's not like they have like the friendly white sidekick who like teaches them how to be American. They're just kind of there on the periphery, right? Like, just mm-hmm. just hanging out, doing white people things. There's an incredible little sequence of um of a very young 
Korean-American boy spending a night in a friend's place, right, because of trouble at home. And being there with a friend for this night is, is itself the first window, really, besides kind of the church sequence, into what we think of as the default experience in Arkansas. If this were another movie, it would be about these people living on this land, right? It wouldn't be about this particular family. It would be about this impoverished boy and his father. But the amazing thing is that at a certain moment, the father sits inside of the frame and he's distinct. I think the camera knows that this man is distinct. He's a new presence in the movie that hasn't really been seen before. There's, I think, even a threat behind him. Um, I think it does build to this sequence, to this reveal of a strange white man in intimate contact with a character that we know very well. I think this whole movie has built to this particular sequence because it's dared. It's dared to trick you into saying, wow, this is something new. And now I experience this as something new. I was astonished. I was sitting there and I, and I, and I had no idea how the scene would go. There was a new conflict in me in terms of like this presence and how it related to the characters and the dynamics that had grown established. It was a signal to me that the rest of the movie, right? The concluding sequences of the movie would be something very special. I think they're very special because they show just how conventional this movie really is. I think the fact that it has an happy ending demonstrates that its primary motivation is enter entertainment. I really do think so. I really do think he's just a guy with a good story and he wanted to tell his story in a cool way. I really do. I think he knew that his story was one of love and one of reconciliation and of understanding and forgiveness and patience, you know? And the truth is that the movies that we've loved, you know, Spielbergian fucking adventures or whatever, they're all about those things too. Like, that's the whole point. The whole point is that Whatever happens in the movie, no matter what crazy shit happens, in the end, everyone knows the deal, right? Love is primary. Forgiveness is primary. Everyone's got to unite around what is shared rather than being split apart by differences or transgressions or anything like that. Literally, that is what these movies are about. That's why they make billions and billions of dollars, right? That is why George Lucas is a billionaire. <laughs> Empires are built... <laughs> On this very fucking principle, what are we supposed to think that, like, there is an inherent hostility, a hostility, I think, to such familiar stories, such familiar dynamics, with the daring, not center whiteness, right? That's the thing. George Lucas yeah. would never make Korean Star Wars, right? Yes, there were, the idea that Luke Skywalker could ever be anything but a white farm boy never, never got yeah. floated once. And and I don't, I don't require that of George Lucas, but I do, yeah. want, I do want Korean George Lucas to get a shot at making Korean Star no, Wars. I really do, hundred percent. And, and so why, but why can't we have Korean Spielberg? Why can't well, we have Korean Lee Isaac Chung? Having the career that he deserves. I right? think you're asking a question that like goes much deeper than movies. Oh yeah, dude. But yeah. that's like, but that's what that's what the movie's about, though, right? Like, yeah. like literally at every moment, it's about water, it's about money, it's about land, it's about not knowing, not knowing about the health of the person that you're sleeping next to, not knowing how many days you have left in your marriage, in your childhood, in your life. 
in your faith in anything around you. Yeah? It does not shy away from these things. It doesn't. It never does. But, but everything else does. Like, that's the problem. It, the problem is that it doesn't shy away from those questions. Like, how can we do with the disservice, man? of ignoring what it's really about. It really is about those things. You're sitting here on this couch and you're watching this movie unfold and you're like, wow, man, this is my life. I have these worries. I have these problems. I love people in my life this way. I don't know that fucking Avengers are about loving each other that way, dude. I, don't, I really don't know that. So it's not, but, but that's the thing. You're saying it goes deeper. You're saying it goes deeper. I'm saying... The fact that Disney presents you with the Avengers as this fucking paradigm of love, of unity, of reconciliation or whatever, it's all cool as long as we beat the shit out of dudes together at the end of the day. Like, that's not real, but they're interested. They're so interested in making you think it's real, man. Because it, it distracts you. It distracts you from thinking about water, man. It distracts you from thinking about money or land. It distracts you from thinking about the love in your life and the way that it really manifests itself, right? If you have no knowledge of love that's not just like a brother in arms next to you and you're united with him because you're both superhuman or whatever, if that's your, if that is the extent of your uh, understanding of humanity, then you're not going to ask any deeper fucking questions. Like, how important is water? How important is it to have the vegetables from your homeland, you know? How important is it to invite your grandmother home even when she doesn't want to come home, you know? How important is it? It's deeper, sure, but we can't pretend that this is not, most fundamentally, Lee Isaac Chung looking us in the eye and saying, why aren't you asking these questions? Why aren't you thinking about these things in your life, right? I don't know. I'm going to take up that call. Dude, that's way too tough for us. <laughs> For people to be answered. That's, that's why we. That's why we go watch the Avengers. That's why we get. That's why we get Avengers. Yeah. Um, you know, I was gonna say it's it, it's deeper in the sense that um, the people who might be opposed to this movie yeah. are probably folks who don't want to be able to connect to something that might seem foreign or someone who might seem foreign. You know, sure. If if it, this is a movie about a Korean American experience in this country, like it needs to be about Korean Americans, not something that like every American can connect to, you know, like it's easier yeah. to see someone else's story and be like, Oh wow, that's crazy that you have to go through that. But like, that has nothing to do with me. But I think the scary thing is like, Oh, like this family is just like any of ours, no matter what we look like, like I can connect to these people and we're not that different after all. So like, maybe I can't just be mean to someone because they look different or I think they have a flat face. I think, that thought might be scary to some people. Well, just like think of how the fact that he was so conscious about how he actually portrayed a typical American in this film, and that you're saying the closest you come to say like a traditional Hollywood trope of doing that in a negative light would be the father sitting down to have cereal with the two of them, the, the white father, the white Ar Arkansanian father, where it's like, I did, I picked up on the same thing. I was like, what is he going to say or how offensive is he going to be to this little boy who doesn't understand? And the truth is, he isn't. Right. He isn't. And the crazy church cross-carrying guy who helps him on his farm genuinely does have good intentions, even if, you know, he's eccentric. 
right, about them. Or all the people in church are more than happy to have this Korean it's family true. there and more than happy to be nice to them and it's invite true. them over for sleepovers. Because yeah. that's not what the conflict is, right? right? The conflict is more fundamental than that. I think that's really true. I think this is a story about a Korean-American family and their struggle, um, but we should understand maybe that it's not the typical one, right? It's not a typical one. Maybe yeah. maybe a lot of Korean-American experiences are like the ones that they might have had in California. They allude frequently yeah. in the movie that they've come from California. Imagine what uh, Lee Isaac Chung's camera could capture of this same family years before, right? In the big city or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it would be a very different movie. I think, and I think that's intentional. But I think that would be a more digestible movie for people. But maybe not. Maybe maybe in the big city, you are encountering more attention. Maybe these but are But I think Korean that's movies. what I mean by more digestible. Oh, the, oh, that this is more digestible. No, 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 that something like that would be more digestible. Uh-huh. There's more tension. It's with, I, what with, you'd expect. With I the right tension, yeah, you would right? sure. like, sure. it's, easy, it's easier to, to think about a movie about non-white people and like, then that, so we think, okay, this means that the white people are going to be bad guys. Mm-hmm. They're going to be like overtly racist and like really mean and like not give them a loan for, for their farm or something because, because they're Korean. Right. And like, that's something that people can understand. Like, oh, uh, past day America, like people were racist and shit. That's, that's what I'm going to see. But this kind of flips that on its head. Like you were saying, like right. they're all pretty nice. <clears throat> so like, that's more alarming. Because it's, you don't expect, it's like you're saying, constant surprise and very simple storytelling, right? It's that kind of thing. It's an audience yeah. expectation about, oh, why am I being shown right. a little Korean boy at a white man's table? Like, right. what is that communicating to me? And the typical audience, the typical moviegoer would expect something very different right. than what we got. And it's interesting right. that the only twinge of that is spoken from a little boy right. at church who asks, right. genuinely, why is your face flat? And it's not coming from a piece. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's genuine yeah. curiosity. It's funny because that boy's face was pretty flat. Yeah. <laughs> as far as flat children's yeah. faces go. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, you're, like, you're pretty. You're pretty. You're a little, little pop yeah. on the cut yeah. black. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's so interesting that like the only hint of that in the film was not an act of like threat, right? It was right. a question. And it was purely from a young, ignorant boy who just wanted to know something. Yeah, at the end of the day, it was still friendly. Yeah, he invited him over. That's right, that's right. The girl with the sister, like, was it kind of racist? Like, maybe. But it was it was friendly. Like, it, it uh, there was no, like, malice behind it. She was, she was genuinely curious and, like, wanted to be her friend. I think that goes to how it's... Um, it's a digestible thing, right? Uh, that's what you were saying. That yeah. it, like the way that great movies are, the way that they're packaged in terms of a good story that makes sense and people change and they end up in a good place at the end, right? A place that excites you and makes you feel good. You walk out of the theater feeling good. I think this is very much in line with those. I really do. And I think part of that is actively avoiding, I think, um, much of what the experience might have been like. And if it wasn't like that for them, then it is that way for many Korean Americans, as it is for many Americans. It's okay for that, because it's not a movie about that. It's about a conflict with nature, fundamentally, right? Not just human nature, but the land around you, the place in the cosmos. You've got all kinds of problems, and everyone is stuck in the vices of conflict in every scene. And it's very exciting that way. 
but life is exciting or dangerous or threatening in lots of different ways. And I think the way that this movie is not about those things is as interesting as the way that it is about these other things, right? As it, as it really does choose to be about um, the effort that goes into digging into the earth and making it fertile for your life, right? Fertile for the future. Coming to a place and saying, I will invest, right? They're always talking about it. This is how farms are. This is how farms work. You put it, spend a lot of money now. You're miserable now in the promise of future prosperity. And that's a good thing. But the truth is that future prosperity is not given. Is No one is entitled to it. The truth is that most people fight for it. And this is a story of people who have a particular conflict and they achieve prosperity in a certain particular way. Um, it's a beautiful story. I think it is important to say that Lee Isaac Chung is not having a conversation about like the, um, the violence of whiteness imposed on many different immigrant families, many different families of color, all kinds of ways that we can go about that question. I think it does choose, right, kind of fundamentally to say, if it's going to be about that at all, it's going to be very subtle, it's going to be under the surface, it's going to be metaphoric, right? It's not that it's not happening, it's just it manifests, right, in all of these other different ways. Um, and that's good. And it's good that, it's, it, that it chose a lane and that it chose a way to tell its story. But I think it's like Parasite that way. I think Parasite is also interesting in the way that it is kind of compromising about the questions that it does pose, right? Fundamentally, in the end, it says, if you work hard enough, you can achieve, right? The system is fucked, sure, but there is the capability within everyone to overcome whatever obstacles are put in their way, and I don't think that's true. And I think it's interesting that both Parasite and this are kind of a, they're kind of what we call neoliberal um, mm -hmm. sort of visions of prosperity and the way that labor has a relationship to prosperity in the world that we live in, right? Even though this is in the 80s, it's obviously a very contemporary story. Parasite, kind of a an uber contemporary story. It's like, feels a little futuristic sometimes. Um, but fundamentally, I think they take the same outlook on it. And fundamentally, I think they're being praised for those same reasons that a lot of people can say, I'm pushing out of my box. I'm looking at other ways of telling stories and saying, this is cool, right? This is new. This is innovative. This is what we need. And I don't think that's really true, or at least it's not all we need. It's great that think movies like Parasite and Minari are being put out there and being produced. And people like Brad Pitt are standing behind them and saying, yo, you need to give this a thousand Oscars, right? Because it's yeah. great. And this guy's great. And everyone in it is great and beautiful. And everyone needs to see it. And it sucks that we're in the pandemic. And that can't really be true the way that it was true with Parasite. I think people really did go out and see Parasite. And Parasite did very well. And then it won a million Oscars. It will be a while, I think, before there is a Korean-American story about the terror of whiteness imposed upon Koreans or, or even imperialism, right? Like Parasite is also kind of about imperialism that way. And if it were to deal with that in a way that was more radical, I think it would go to number three, which is that it won't get the acclaim that I think these two will. I think these two are incredible entertainments. 
but they're incredible the way that Spielberg is incredible. And Spielberg stops asking questions at a certain moment, like a lot of very popular people. But that's why they're popular, right? We have to understand that. All of the acclaim, all of the support, we have to be suspicious of it. We really do. We have to say, why is this happening? What is it that so many people are recognizing in it? And sitting on this couch, watching Minari, like having a nice Sunday afternoon, watching a great movie or whatever, it's easy to see why people respond to it. Why people come out of the theater and say, I'm going to tell everyone on Twitter about how much I love this movie. I, I think it's very obvious. It's beautiful and it's simple. It's humble and it's small. And I think that you're right that it would be more digestible in a way if it were more about this kind of terror. But the truth is that even though it were more digestible, it would be less likely to be made and less likely to be acclaimed. And that sucks. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it would be as good of a movie if it were about that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Digestible is, like, easier for people. That's Again, that's why nope. we go see The, the Avengers. Like, sure. You don't want to be asked the hard, harder questions than, you know, there, there's a certain point that people are willing to go to. Did this, did this bring you to that point, do you think? I mean, for me, yeah. Yeah. I think it brought me there. I, I mean, I think that's why, again, I think that's why it's scary to some people. Like, yeah, sure. Why would I, as, as a, you know, black American, like, want to sit down and watch a movie about Korean Americans in the 80s? But it's something that I can connect to. This um, is something that you can connect to. The, yeah. way, the way that they made it here, the way that they told the story. Yeah, and it's nice to connect to something sure, that, that's sure. new. Well, what does it mean to be excited by a man finally being able to grow his vegetables? Like, what does it mean to be excited by that when people are used to being excited by, like, a fight scene in a CGI movie, right? Like, the fact that those two things can elicit the same response from you in two very different ways, and the fact that simply growing vegetables and sure. the success of doing that yeah. excites you, I think speaks volumes about this and also speaks volumes about like, well, what really excites me about watching Captain America hit Thanos with a hammer, right? Yeah. Uh, ref, take well, that. I think it's easier to, to excite someone with Captain America, you know, finally wielding the <laughs> hammer than it is. It's, it's hard. It's very hard to make a movie about a dude growing vegetables. That's like going to get people excited eight times out of 10. I'm watching a movie about a dude growing vegetables, and I think, eh, okay, but like, for your vegetables. yeah, some dude swinging around a hammer. Yeah, that's that's gonna get me excited. Like, and it doesn't have to be done in a particularly like well or like well done way. It can, sure. It's it, the 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 floor for for making that is much lower than it is for making something like this. So I think I mean I think that's part of why we don't see shit like this because this is a really difficult movie to make. Um, and someone like Lee Isaac, like he knew what he was doing. He had a vision, um, and he, he was able to, to pull it off. But like a lot of times, like people aren't able to do that. We're willing to even try. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just so much easier to, to do it the other way and make some money. I would counter that. My counter is that I think people are very dumb. I think people are very dumb because they see Captain America swing a hammer at Thanos. <laughs> And they they say that's cool. They say that's cool, but it is cool. And the, no, and they're right. They're right that it's cool, but it's not cool because it's a hammer. It's not cool because it's because it's Captain America and Thanos. It's cool because you want Captain America 
to throw a hammer at Thanos, right? What you have is a character, and you have something that you want him to achieve, and the tension is, will this character achieve the desired outcome? It's the tension of every scene, and it's the tension of every movie. You've got 8, 12 hours of movies that add up to Captain America throwing a hammer at Thanos. Clap, clap in the theater. Everyone's very happy. <laughs> I don't know if those were the kind of claps that, that people were giving for that. Wow. Well done, Kevin. Well done. <laughs> oh, Chris. The way that you threw that hammer. A nice, nice little golf clap around the theater for, for Captain America wielding a hammer. When you've got beautiful Stephen Yoon growing vegetables, you've got someone that you understand wanting to achieve something tangible. That's all that it is. You've got stakes. You've got desires. You've got sublimated desires, right? The things that he wants that he can't even express as he puts those in. It's not like those aren't all on camera. It's not like those aren't all embedded into every little cut, into every little direction that's being given to Steven on set or whatever. You've got intention. And that's all that it is. That's all that it takes to make something exciting, right? Let me ask so you both. Go ahead, Raph. No, no, no. I was going to say, do you think it's it, it's easier for people to to not like focus on those things, or do you I think, think it's like actually? I think. Do you think it's actually harder? Do you think people just aren't I willing to do it? I think it is exactly as easy as the artist makes it. Right. That's all it takes. If an artist says, "I'm going to create a little world. I'm going to create." A beautiful diorama and you're a little doll and you can sit inside of it and you can look around and it's like you're really there it's like it is the world right that's all you're doing is you're sitting inside and you experience the story of it and the dynamics and the emotions and the events and the tragedies and that's all very nice but that's all it ever is we should never pretend that it is literally anything other than that whether the diorama is of Captain America or <laughs> heat or um, <laughs> uh, or Golden Age Hollywood, or yeah. this, right? right? Yeah. Even if the diorama is just on a little farm in Arkansas, it's okay, right? It's okay because we love it. We love to sit down, and we love to play pretend. And we love to feel things, because that's how we know we're alive. We think it's more exciting to see Captain America throw a hammer, because that's all there is in the theaters. That's all it is. You turn on Netflix, you see what's available for rent, um, for years, you would go to the theater, but now we're all stuck inside, right? Now, all we have is the small scale, right? There's no, there's no hiding anymore behind the big screen, behind actors' huge faces, right? Sometimes you just want to see Robert Downey Jr. be 20 feet high, you know? Like, sometimes <laughs> I just want the darkness of his beard to be as wide as a car, you know? That's fine. <laughs> That's totally fine, but it can't happen anymore. So now no one can pretend that that's going to be more exciting than a story like this. I think you're sitting here and you're excited and you're surprising yourself. You're saying, Jesus, why is this so good? Jesus, how can I be so invested in the lives of these people? <laughs> it's because someone wanted you to be. Someone tried to make sure that the diorama that you find yourself sitting in that Sunday afternoon looked kind of nice and felt pretty good to be in, you know? It's okay for people to be too dumb to understand the difference. It really is. What's tragic is that 
they're the victims of a of a of a mass propaganda campaign to say <laughs> growing vegetables is boring. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you, man. Tell Fuck you man. for telling me that vegetables are boring. Tell Fuck him. you for telling me that love is boring. Fuck you for telling me that I won't invite grandma home, you know? Fuck you for telling me that I wouldn't. I am allowed, I am entitled to sit here on a couch and be excited by it. But it means, it means when I am excited here, that means the bar is raised. It means that it's a little harder for me to get hard next time, right? I'm going to want more next time. I'm going to want more. I'll need it. I'll, I'll fucking froth at the mouth for it, you know? Oh, it's okay to be a person who fucking froths at the mouth for excitement, for reality, for meaning, for substance, man. To say, oh shit, of course I know why his desperation is so palpable. I know why his disappointment cuts so deeply to me, right? It's okay to feel that. It's okay to ask those questions. It's okay to be a victim. It's okay to sit at home and say, yes, I too. You know, the doll, I was touched on the doll here, you know? The, <laughs> the violation occurred at an early age, you know? The desperate environment that I found myself in, I could not control. I'm an adult now. I consume media. I talk. I talk with my voice, I talk with my conversations, with my relationships, with my money. I say, these are the things that I value. The problem is, no one's listening. No one gives a shit what I have to say. No one gives a shit that the things that we value are the things that we want to see all the time. They only give a shit as far as they can twist what we say we want into something that they are pretty sure that will buy. It always, always very well said. Always very difficult following anything you're saying. <laughs> um, I, I'm not quite sure where you just took us, from, but I liked it. I'm going to ask uh, a question uh, now for both of you, um, and I'll start with you, Raph, oh, no. uh, and then we'll move on to you, Nair. Um, oh, I want to know. I think we all responded very, very positively to this film. Yeah. Um, I think we probably all liked it for similar reasons. My question is, moving forward. We want people that we love to see this. Sure. We want everyone around us to see this. How do we best go about doing that? How do you share something like this? How do you pitch this to a friend or a family or a loved one being like, this is amazing, you should watch it. Why? Why should I watch it? I mean, beyond it just being a good movie, I think as Americans, like we connect with American stories. And the easiest way to get someone to watch a movie, I think, is to say like, hey, this is a uniquely but also universally American story that sure. we can all connect to. Um, I don't think there's like anything else that's needed. I don't know. Why like how would you guys pitch it? Well we just we've got friends, you know, we've got people and we know what they value, right? We know what they're excited by. You think of your friend and you say, hey man, do you like Stories about families. Do you like people coming together? You know. Do you like vegetables? <laughs> no, it, but it's like, like watching it. It was like one of those fucking dog movies. You know, like going home with a dog and like going through the woods and like having a journey and like running from a bear or whatever. It was exactly the same fucking thing. You know, you're 
got people and they want to get somewhere. Are they going to get there by the end of the movie? Fucking rent it and find out, you know? That's all that it takes. Do you like stupid dog movies? Do you like... Do you like superhero movies? Do you like movies where people overcome adversity to look each other in the eyes and say, hey, I got your back at the end, like every other movie that you've ever loved in your life when you're talking about anything that you've ever enjoyed? This has all of those qualities. Like, if anything, it's like kind of a problem because it limits it. I really do feel that. But it, it exemplifies the kind of story that everyone loves everywhere, right? You've got achievement, you've got solidarity, you've got conflicts overcome, you've got jokes, you've got life. Are you scared of life? Are you scared of stories about life? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk, okay, great. Well, Go how, ahead. You, how would you pitch it? I, I fuck me if I can <laughs> attempt to not regurgitate anything that's just been said. Um, I, I'd be like, look, it is... It is just quite simply an impeccably made piece of work that is very obvious about what it's trying to communicate to you. Sure. I think it's, uh, I hesitate to use this word often, but because it's like, I feel like it, it can sort of seem like a negative thing, but the truth is it's a very nice yeah. film. Yeah. yeah. It's Absolutely. very nice. So nice. Um, it's, beautiful. it's nice about what it conveys. It's nice to look at. Yeah. Um, you feel, like you said, being in the diorama, you feel very comfortable being there. Um, and at no moment are you, what's the word? You're, you're never out of touch with it. Yeah. You're always connected to it. Absolutely. Um, every single character, you could very well be yourself. Sure. And you probably have been at yeah. some point yourself. Absolutely. We all know what that little boy is feeling. We all know what his sister was feeling, being a bit what older. What their mother is feeling. We all know what the mother is feeling. We've all been grandma. <laughs> we, yeah. You bastard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's great. And I, I, I think that anyone who's looking to watch a film, like you said, about things that are real, rather than turn their brain off for two hours, I think would find value in this. And I would encourage... I would encourage everyone to watch it, even if some that I would recommend it to I know probably wouldn't get it. But let's be real. We're going to hear more about it, right? Like, only more people are going to see it, and they're going to say, holy shit, I would have seen this five times in the theater, right? Um, there's only going to be more of that. There's only going to be more buzz about it and the way that it is snubbed or whatever. Get on the bandwagon, everyone. You know, just just be part of it. Like, sometimes things rise up out of the culture that are pretty good. And if we are all committed to celebrating those things, then let this be one of those things. Rarely do fuck I... Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Rarely yeah. do I actually say this to our viewers listening, but please go watch this movie. Yeah. Um, it is fantastic. Pay 20 bucks to watch yeah. it. Right. It's, it's worth it. Gather your family. 100%. And it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. Pop some uh, popcorn. Watch, yeah. this, watch this freaking thing. Yeah. Um, between all the shit we've watched on HBO Max that has come out, all the other stuff that is released digitally, yeah. that otherwise... I still think we should have done Tom and Jerry. Uh, that, yes, uh, that's next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna make this. A yes. Play. So what's amazing is that we always, Raph, we always have Fernando here to talk about like really specially made yeah. stuff, like really well made stuff, things that are special um, films, if you will. But we've not quite had him here 
for crap yet. Yeah. And Let's I do think, crap. Man. I think next, I would love to hear um, the well-constructed okay. sentences, words, and paragraphs come out of this man's mouth about something that he loathes that he's just witnessed rather than something he's loved. No, so no. Yeah, that would be great. Well, loathing. You want loathing. <laughs> wow. That's so tough, man. Loathing sucks. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes it's funny. Yeah. Most of the time it's funny. Well, he's when it comes okay, to okay, movies. okay. So okay. So we'll we'll do a loathing episode next time. And we'll we'll discuss what loathing is and and what makes something yeah. really special to loathe that way. Okay, I'm done. Fantastic. Okay. And we can discuss like shit that's so bad that we hate it and yeah. like so terrible that we hate it and yet somehow still enjoy it. Well because those and, do exist. And, and and what makes the things that we love loathed by others, you know? Well, what separates the things that you love yeah. from the things that you love? Let's do it. This has been oh, such yeah. such a very special episode. What a treat! Thank what you, a guys. treat, Nan. It's great to have you back. Thanks for being um, here, Michael. My illustrious host. Let's do let's do the social thing. Wrath. Where can they find you? Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Rathstit, all one word, R-E-F-S-T-I-T-T. Twitter and Instagram. I'm there, and on Letterbox. I think it's at Rathstit. Check us out. Fantastic. What about, what about you, Michael? You can find me on Instagram at Michael underscore Rocco underscore. That's R-U-O-C-C-O at Michael underscore Rocco underscore. You can also find me on Twitter at Michael Rocco. I'm not too active on there, but I am on there. And I am also on Letterbox at Michael Rocco. Man, where can they find you? Oh, they can definitely follow me on Letterbox at FD Pictures. Um, but it's a good follow. Yeah, sure. I, but, would, I would recommend. But everyone should pre-order The Emerald Flame, a narrative puzzle adventure on GameFound. What is the Emerald Flame, man? Tell us. I have co-written with my wife a beautiful puzzle adventure into the depths of the heart of man's grip for power in the intrigues of 15th century Czechoslovakia. It's crazy. Fuck yeah. Incredible. Um, thank you, Rita, my wife, for designing it. Thank you, everyone, who will ever purchase it, because you are paying my rent. <laughs> What we're talking, what's it called? The Emerald Flame, a narrative puzzle adventure. Fuck yeah. Can't wait. Awesome. Fantastic. This has been great. Nan, thank you once again. Raph, thank you for hosting. You're the best. Michael, thank you for hosting. Always a pleasure. Um, (laughs) Thank you, Lee Isaac Chung, for making that art. Yes. Yes. Um, We sort of skipped over this. I think it goes without saying, though, but we'll do it one more time. Raph, would you recommend this movie? Yes. Ten times out of a hundred. I mean, a hundred times out of ten. A hundred times (laughs) out of ten. Likewise, without question. Go watch it. Go check it out. Thank you for listening.